0: Welcome to Disrupting Japan, straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking about worms. No, no, wait, don't go. I promise this is going to be really interesting. Today, we're going to sit down and talk with Kenta Yamato of Kaiko, a Kyushu-based startup that is using silkworms to rapidly produce custom, small-batch, innovative proteins that are used for bio-research, medicine, and they play a part in Japan's search for a coronavirus vaccine. It's a fascinating process, but admittedly, one that's not particularly fun for the silkworms themselves. We also talk about the most popular and most unsuccessful e-commerce business model in Japan, the challenges Japanese universities face in spinning out startups, and we even cover some practical solutions to that problem. But you know, Kenta tells that story much better than I can. So let's get right to the interview. So I'm sitting here with Kenta Yamato of Kaiko, a company that uses silkworms to produce specific proteins used in medical tests and vaccines. And thank you for sitting down with me. Yes,
1: thank you for me. And I have a very pleasure to explain our company's story. Yeah, thank you very much.
0: It's great to have you on the show. You know, I, I try to explain very briefly what Kaiko does, But I think you can explain it a lot better than I can. So at at like a high level, what does Kaiko do? We started
1: Kaiko two years ago in 2018. Kaiko means silkworm in English. Maybe you know silkworm can make uh, silk for our clothes, but we will use this Kaiko, silkworm, uh for making proteins. Uh, we are a startup company from Kyushu University, and our products are many proteins. The protein the other companies cannot do make because it is difficult to make it. We will make this protein by silkworm.
0: So, so if I understand the the basic process, you in, inject the silkworm with. Uh a virus containing the target gene, mm-hmm. and then it, it makes the proteins as part of its silk, and then you, you extract the proteins from the silk?
1: No, no. First, we will incorporate a gene of target protein into baculovirus. So this baculovirus is safety for us human and animals, but baculovirus damage to only silkworms. And we will insert this recombinant baculovirus into silkworm. And their body can make the a specific protein in their cell. And finally, we collect and
0: purify the body liquid from the uh, silkworm. Okay. So it's not from the silk. It's from the silkworms themselves that you extract the proteins. Yes, we don't use silk. Okay. So... Why silkworms? Is, is there something about silkworms that makes it easy to generate proteins in this way? Uh, yes. Maybe
1: other insects can make same like proteins, but silkworm is only one insect, not a uh, move, and it's very cheap. D- do you know the price of a piece of silk?
0: I have no idea. I... <laughs>
1: The piece of silk silkworm can make is twenty cent or thirty cent United States dollars, so very cheap uh, silkworm, and we can plant a huge amount of silkworm very narrow space.
0: So, so the advantage of the silkworm isn't genetic; it's the fact that they just eat the mulberry leaves and stay put. Yes. And, and you can control them. Okay. Yes. It's very easy to uh, plant silkworm. So what is the normal process for producing these kind of proteins?
1: Uh, normally, people use a very huge tank, like a beer tank, silver tank. But silkworm is a biologic tank, so uh, very useful and convenient for us. So they're little, they're little biofactories. Yes, bioreactor bio there. Little bioreactors. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned it was cheaper to use silkworms. So how long does the process take and, and how much cheaper is it than the industrial approach of large tanks?
1: Maybe uh, many industrial tanks uh, need uh, to study and uh, development for the production ways and method But we don't need a scale-up period and money because we can uh, make a protein from silkworm. Per one silkworm, we will make a huge amount of protein because we just increase the number of silkworms. So it's easy to increase. No need to study for scale-up.
0: Yeah, I I could see why that would give you a lot of flexibility for producing small amounts or very flexible amounts uh, of the proteins as you need. So what is the turnaround time? How long does it take from the time that you identify a a target protein that you want to produce to the time that you've isolated it and you have that protein in the in the bottle? Our procedure is for one month, we'll make the recombinant
1: baculovirus And after that, we will insert this baculovirus into the silkworm. And three or four days, so they can make the target protein in their cells. So after four days, we'll pick up the protein from silkworm. Just only four days.
0: Oh, wow, that's much faster than I imagined it.
1: Yes, but uh, we need w- about one month to make recombinant baculovirus, virus. So totally one or two months. For example, uh, regarding COVID-19, we already developed the uh, spike protein of uh, COVID-19. So much of this year, we get approval from the uh, Japanese government to study uh, this COVID-19. And two months later, Kyushu University and our company had finished this study and we can get uh, S-protein in May ten or 15th, yeah, about two months.
0: Yeah, I, I want to go into more detail about the COVID research you're doing in a minute, but in general, what, what kind of problems does this solve? Is it... So, I mean, everyone's talking about COVID right now, but what other kinds of medical research and and testing is is this technology likely to be used in?
1: We are now developing the diagnostic product with partner companies. And maybe in September, we can show our demo kits to domestic market. And uh, next, our target is... Vaccine for
0: coronavirus. Actually, before we get into the the detailed on the vaccine and the corona, I want to ask you a little bit about about your own background. You mentioned before you you started Kaiko in uh, April of twenty eighteen, but your your co founders it's it's based on the research of, of two very prominent researchers, but your own background is in economics and and business, right? Yes. Yes, that's right. So uh, how did you end up starting a silkworm startup? (laughs) Yeah,
1: mysterious. Maybe mysterious. But my history is long. Uh, So after graduation of Yokohama National University, I joined Mitsubishi Heavy Industries. I was responsible for the ship sales and uh, procurement for materials for shipbuilding and power plant. And after 15 years, I decided to make own company. The na- name is Budio, And we were handling internet product because I was in Kyushu Island in Four or five. And uh, in these days, the first stage of Japanese internet trade. So I did Kyushu local product. For example, Castella and any other product produce uh, Kyushu. So, so uh, like e-commerce sites selling Kyushu products? So using Rakuten Commerce. But uh, very busy. We could sell the product, but nothing profit because uh, we need uh, parking and it's dispatching, everything we need for manpower. So, no. I, I
0: think that is, yeah, it, that is one of the. the- most common and most commonly failed e-commerce models. Everyone wants to sell like interesting food and crafts from local hometowns, but...
1: We can sell, but no profit. <laughs> <laughs> so two years later, I decided to uh, return to Salaryman, but I thought I want to make one more startup company. And I watched a commercial. Uh, Kyushu University has a business MBA course for businessmen. Evening class and Saturday and Saturday class just only. So I joined. And in the MBA course, I met these professors, Kusakabe Sensei and Kamiya Sensei. And we talked about uh, shulkworms' problem and shulkworms' merit. So I found this is very interesting business, and this is very Japanese
0: domestic science. Yeah, definitely very uniquely Japanese. I think. Yeah. Was this like a a, a university program trying to match business and researchers, or was were did you just run into the your your co-founders socially at at the university? We had uh, some
1: class in university. Industry and academic uh, collaboration program and uh, I joined this class and uh, I was taught it how to make a startup so uh, the one one of the uh, selection is the startup company we will make so I negotiated with this professor, please make our startup company after that this professor agreed
0: that's great i mean. We're, we're seeing more Japanese university spin-outs, but they're still pretty rare. So it's great to see this working out. Thank you very much. And
1: one more matter is uh, Dr. Kusakabe uh, was willing to spread their technology worldwide, but he wanted to stay the professor's position in Kyushu University. He didn't want to be a businessman. So he said, okay, I will stay in university, but you have to make a business.
0: Well, that's, I mean, I I think that is, I mean, most professors are very, especially the successful professors are perfectly happy being professors. They don't want to become businessmen. Are your co-founders involved with the business day-to-day or are they strictly focused on the research?
1: Dr. Kusakabe also joined our company as a technical advisor. And research and development is in Kyushu University's laboratory, and uh, production
0: development is in Kaiko. Excellent. Let's get back, because I, I really do want to talk about the COVID research. So, originally, Kaiko was formed well before anyone had ever heard of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. But but it's now you're an active part in the search for a cure or search for treatments.
1: We would like to... Make some agreement with pharmaceutical company for uh, making market of Silkworm vaccine, but at this moment no pharmaceutical company we can get. But Silkworm, we have uh, some technology for eating medicine, for animal medicine, but no pharmaceutical company interested. <laughs> Last month, we decided to make ourselves eating medicine for
0: human. When I was reading about Kaiko, I, I came across an article where you were talking about using um, silkworm-generated proteins as a way of developing uh, antibody tests. Is, is that something you're, you're still working on? Yes,
1: we are still. University are uh, now researching
0: and, and so what is the path to commercializing that? You, you were mentioning Japanese pharma companies are very conservative and they haven't expressed direct interest in this protein manufacturing method. So what is the path to get to production, to, to get these as part of the antibody test or vaccine creation? Um, don't you need the partnerships with the large pharmaceutical companies to make that happen? Yeah,
1: we need a pharmaceutical company and we don't hope to make some agreement with Japanese domestic companies. So we approach foreign pharmaceutical companies in vaccine market. Global Four Company uh, shared almost 80%. One of them we approached this April and May, but uh, they said this is a time to show their own technology to the market because uh, it's very short time to approve. So they said your time is next time. So <laughs> our technology by ourselves. So after that, your technology is very interesting. Many vaccines for COVID-19 depend on the DNA and RNA, but our technology and our vaccine is based on protein, but just we will make a, a silkworm. So only the how to make different is just one.
0: Sure. It's, it's just the production method. It's the same proteins at, at in the end. That, yes. So what, what do you think as a company, as, as Keiko, what is your best path to commercialization? Is it being part of the COVID research? Is it a, another avenue? We will hope
1: to make some revenue from COVID-19 production, but normally, Our business plan is based on animal medicine, animal vaccine, and our revenue comes from the animal medicine and vaccine and research protein. So we can make the normal uh, protein for researchers and companies, and we have some business with domestic companies and foreign companies.
0: And you recently raised about $2.5 million in a recent fundraising. And I, I think you mentioned you were planning on spending most of that money, investing it in better manufacturing equipment and, and pharmaceutical-grade production.
1: GMP production, yeah. We are now uh, designed a laboratory, but we can use a laboratory for production of animal Medicine and vaccine, so depend on the GMP rules, and uh, maybe for human, uh, it's too small.
0: So then, what is the the future of Kaiko? I mean, how do we scale this business? Are we going to be seeing, you know, millions of acres of of silkworms eating mulberry leaves? <laughs> um, Do you see Kaiko as scaling as a manufacturing? Yes. Or or more scaling as like licensing the technology? So how how does it scale? I mean, do you need just more acres of mulberry?
1: We will just be a supplier of the medicines liquid to the pharmaceutical company. And maybe we cannot uh, license business because uh, sugarcomm is not easy to get in U- United States and Europe. Maybe China and India is easy. but our target market is United States and the European. so we will supply the bulk medicine
0: uh, liquid to the pharmaceutical company. But do silkworms scale? I I could see it being really useful. Like before we were talking about how it was incredibly useful for producing very small batches. But could you produce like really large quantities or would you be limited by the number of acres?
1: (laughs) I don't care of the
0: volume of silkworm because
1: uh, many Japanese farmers offered to grow silkworm by themselves. Recently, silkworm farmer is decreasing, but potential they have. We approached many farmers in Japan. And also in Kumamoto, they have a very special factory for silkworm. So they can make 10 million silkworms per year. So we don't care.
0: Okay, so capacity is not really an issue then.
1: Yeah. A pair of silkworm can make uh, a 300 to 500 eggs from just only one pair. So uh, the number is, we can increase, increase, increasing. no uh, worry about the number of the silkworm. All right. And uh, silkworm can only eat marberry leaf, so... If our business is developing and growing, we have to plant marble trees so we
0: can decrease our CO2. You know, I think a lot of people would be surprised at how biological a lot of the medical industry is. Even like the flu vaccine is, is not created in, a, in tanks. It's created in like millions and millions of, of chicken eggs. In Japan, chicken egg movies. Yeah, yeah in America as well. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I suppose it's not that unusual in, in terms of creating proteins and, and replicating viruses and things to use other organisms like this. But you're affiliated with the university, so maybe it was easier. But usually, for biotech companies, it's often very hard to find investors in Japan.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right.
0: So, did you have trouble raising money? Last time, uh...
1: A little, (laughs) I I have some trouble with uh, venture capital. But recently, many venture capital approached us for investing because our business model is not narrow medical development. Our uh, business model is a platform for making proteins. And the proteins can be used for research protein and diagnostic protein and for vaccine and medicine. So we have uh, some revenue. And maybe next year we can get bottom line will be plus side, maybe next year. So Japanese venture capital seeking for the good biological company. But narrow medicine development is very high risk. But our business model is low risk but uh, not a high return
0: so so the investors kind of saw that you had an existing business they could model your your costs and your your income and and so they were more comfortable than in investing in more of a traditional biotech yes that's right okay so kaiko was spun out of a, a university and I, and i think that's something that we need more of in japan japan does some really great like fundamental research Mm -hmm. but there's often a challenge of turning that research into businesses into products and so i'm curious what do you think we should do or what do you think universities should do to encourage more of these university spin-outs
1: yeah it is very problem for japanese universities uh, the problem is there is no businessman for making a business model from the university's fundamental technology. So many good professors, many clever professors we have. But the problem is we have limited businessman from university. I think we have to make some more businessman for making a startup company.
0: Well, you mentioned that in your case at Kyushu University, you'd gone back to school to get your MBA. Mm -hmm. And and that sounds like a a perfect pairing. (laughs) Yes,
1: I think so. (laughs) I
0: think so. And then
1: I entered Kyushu University MBA course. I was seeking for the seed of business. So I'm very lucky to meet with two professors, but many MBA could correct the student for just only business, not making business for uh, accounting and
0: Well, I think another thing that was really useful in this case is that you'd had a successful business career before you returned to get your MBA. You weren't just a you know a twenty one year old new grad, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, are more and more Japanese businessmen returning to school to get an MBA? Is that something that we're seeing more of?
1: Yes, I think so. So we need to learn again in forties, fifties, sixties. Moreover, yeah, we need. But Japanese people, uh, this is not normal way.
0: Yeah, it is unusual. I, I mean, it's something Japan needs more of. I'd, I'd like to see more people mid-career go back to school. And, and... Uh, yes, I think
1: we need a current and change job. In Japan, we need at uh, least two motion for the Japanese businessman: current and change business.
0: Okay, Kenta. But before I let you go. I want to ask you what I call my magic wand question, and, and that is, if I gave you a magic wand and I said you could change one thing about Japan, anything at all, the education system, the way people think about risk, the ability to go back to school, you could change anything at all to make it better for startups and innovation in Japan, what would you change?
1: I'd like to change the language. The language? Language, yeah. Because, How? Because maybe Japanese people shy and hesitate to talk with foreign people is because only from language care. Many Japanese people can speak English fluently. Maybe Japanese people go out and make a good business with foreign countries' companies. So this is Japanese most dame <laughs> na most weak point for the
0: business. I think so. I mean, I, I think some English ability definitely is important, but I, I, I think, so for example, you mentioned Kaiko from the very beginning. You were talking with foreign pharmaceutical companies from the very start, right? Yeah, but... Uh, this is, <laughs> this is my role. <laughs> this
1: is my role. So I'm not good at to speak English, but I have to contact with many foreign companies. And I'm very shy, but I want to make my dream. So
0: I need to... I, know, I, I think maybe that passion, that, that desire to see your dream come true is, is maybe more important than, than English ability.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> if I can speak English very fluently, I don't need uh, passion to talk with you. <laughs> Maybe uh, more smart and more gentleman, <laughs> I, I, can, I can speak with you. Oh, uh,
0: I, well, I, I know the feeling. I, I, I feel the same way about my Japanese all the time. And so
1: today is easy to communicate with you because we can. I can see your face, and you can see my face, so uh, we can convey emotion. But if just only phone, it is difficult for me. But uh, writing is okay. But we need some time to consider <laughs> <our> translation. <laughs> so my to-do list is next year or the year after. I will stay in United States for Kaiko's business. And maybe I can smoothly communicate with you and maybe my business will expand.
0: You can improve both the English and the business at the same time. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thanks so much for sitting down with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And we're back. Before we talk about silkworms and biotech, I want to return to Kenta's first startup, the one that was selling regional specialties. You know, local foods and crafts online. For all this to make sense, I need to explain that regional specialties in Japan work a bit differently than regional specialties in the U.S. or Europe. Like like so many things, the system is more formal and structured in Japan than it is elsewhere. There there may not be an official body that decides these things, but everyone pretty much agrees on what the regional specialties are from each prefecture and city. And when you return from your travel there, you're expected to bring some of those back with you to share with your family and co workers. It's a nice system. So maybe it's not surprising that in the late 90s and early 2000s, a lot of e-commerce startups sprung up selling these specialties online. And while these businesses continue to pop up, very, very few of them have been successful. Now, as Kenta explained, much of this is due to the low margin nature of the business. But I think there's also a more fundamental reason. While many of the regional specialty foods are indeed delicious, that's not the main reason people enjoy them. People enjoy them because it's something we don't eat every day, and because someone brought it back for us. Things just taste better that way. It's like I've explained to my wife that she can buy wine and cheese anytime she likes online, but for some reason... She always wants to eat them with me in expensive restaurants. In cases like this, the commodity itself is not what is providing the value. Okay, getting back to biotech and to silkworms. Kaiko seems to have a genuinely novel and surprisingly scalable method of producing specialty proteins. And they are succeeding despite two strong headwinds facing biotech startups in Japan. First, that few Japanese investors are interested in or qualified to invest in biotech startups. And second, that Japanese universities are still struggling to commercialize their fundamental research. But as Kenta explained, we're seeing progress. Universities are taking the surprisingly bottom-up approach of simply matching executive MBA students and scientists. And venture capital, well, venture capital is a global game today. If Japanese VCs are unable or unwilling to step up, there's more than enough foreign capital available to fill that gap. So if these trends continue, and it looks like they will, we're going to see a lot more innovative biotech companies like Kaiko coming out of Japan. If you want to talk more about biotech or silkworms, Kenta and I would love to hear from you. So come by disruptingjapan.com show 170, and let's talk about it. If you leave a comment, I guarantee that Kenta and I, or maybe both, will respond. And hey, If you get the chance, check us out on LinkedIn or Facebook. But even better, if you like the show, tell people about it. Disrupting Japan is my labor of love. It's free forever, and we have no advertising budget. People hear about the podcast because listeners like you enjoy it, and they tell their friends about it. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups and innovation know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.